not, what, what's really funny is the fucking bank job away in Sea Caucus. I'm in the middle of the fucking weeds, laying down. He comes over. He says, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm resting." Here you're resting. Got a fucking beach in a park. I said, "I'm resting." I know I'm resting. I'm resting. They pull me in. They start giving me all kinds of questions. You know, this and that. He says, "Oh, uh, so what are you gonna tell us, tough guy?" I said, "My usual, zero, nothing." I tell you, the fuck. He says, "No, you're gonna tell me something today, tough guy." I said, "All right, I'll tell you something. Go fuck your mother." <laughs> You saw the paper, Anthony. My head was up like this. So now I'm coming around, you know. I start to come out of it. Who do I see in front of me? This big prick again. He says, "Oh, what do you want to tell me now, tough guy?" I said, "Ming, what are you doing here? I thought I'd tell you to go fuck your mother." I thought he was gonna shit. Pow, ping, pow. Fuck his. Gee, I wish I was big just once. Funny how? What? Just, you know, you're you're funny. You mean? Let me understand this, because I, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? I'm not just. You know how you tell a story? What? No, no, I don't know. You said it. How do I know? You said I'm funny. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Get the fuck out of here, to Tommy. <laughs> you motherfucker! I almost had him. I almost had him. Stuttering, yeah, stuttering prick yet? Frankie, was he shaking? I wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what the fuck is it with you? Hanging, I thought I was getting pinched over there. He's hanging on my fucking neck like a vulture, uh, like an ending day. What do you want? This guy's worried about it. He didn't want to come over and get the check, you know. Just, the waiter? He could take care of this. Yeah, it's no problem. Tell him to put it on my tab. Of course. That's what I want to talk to you about. You know, it ain't just this here. It's seven fucking big ones here. Seven fucking G's you owe me. Seven thousand dollars. I mean, eight peanuts. I don't mean to be out of order, not. You don't mean to be out of order. Jeez, it's good you don't mean to be out of order, Sonny. You call embarrassing me in front of my friends, don't all like calling me a fucking deadbeat, you know? You know, Sonny, you're a real fucking mutt. You know the money we spend on this fucking. Come on, don't be like that. What do you mean, don't be like
Good afternoon, everybody. Dave Dreskow Show, The Nightfly, with Dave Dreskow, the podcast you love to love and listen to all the time, every time, and whatever. Hi, it is Dave Jesco, and I uh, am back, and it's uh, I'm filming uh, today a taping in the afternoon on a Saturday, and uh, I apologize if, uh, well, let me explain uh, why I'm doing this today and, and what this particular podcast will be all about. You see, the thing is, technically, I should be talking about, uh, because, uh, you know, this is coming out after the Super Bowl, I've talked about the Super Bowl, but... I really thought I would be possibly so depressed, which, you know, could completely happen. This is the day before the Super Bowl. That when am I going to put out the podcast? I could do it Monday in the morning or something like that and tell you what happened. But, oh, my God, that, that could be like a suicide podcast, which would be good. But I just, oh, I just, like, couldn't see myself, like, putting it together. And I'd be like, oh, screw it. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just do it Tuesday night and I'll put it out Wednesday. But it turns out Tuesday night... Me and the girl Tana I had of the podcast who wants to do comedy because she's out of her goddamn mind are doing my friend Chris Murphy's class. So then she's going to get up. We're both going to get up and do a little something because you know, the class is very helpful for me. Uh, and then we're going to see what she has. So we got to do that on Tuesday. So I can't do it. And then, you know, I could do it Wednesday. But then already I'm putting it out on Thursday. What? Come on. We got to keep to a schedule. We got to keep to a schedule. And let me tell you, the schedule is. That once the Super Bowl is over, hopefully I can go back to my normal life. Although I don't know how, because I mean this is such a disaster, this gambling stuff. But hopefully it'll end a Super Bowl Sunday, and I'll just find a way to pay what I owe, and then we'll move on. And we can have a good podcast, and we can schedule stuff. Because I got to say, this like runs my life. I'm like, well, I can't schedule anything now because it's Super Bowl Sunday, whatever. But now I get my Saturdays and Sundays back. You know what I'm saying? I definitely have like Sundays back, so there'll be plenty more time to do stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, that's the most important thing. So we're putting out this interim podcast, you might say. I'm putting it out. I'm by myself today because I said, let me just do it Saturday. It's a beautiful day outside. It's very cold. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a little shitty. But I got to, you know, I like woke up early today. Like I, I set my alarm on a Saturday. That's when you know Dave Juskow is, I got stuff going on. I got stuff to do. And it's all stupid stuff, too. But. You know, I wanted to fit in the podcast. I have to cook for tomorrow. I'm going to make a lasagna. I'm going to make those ridiculous, gay, individual, seven-layer dip cups because I can't tell whether people are making fun of me or not, but I like eating them, so what are you going to say? And uh, so I had to go grocery shopping. Then I met my friends, uh, Jody and Kenny, for dim sum down in Chinatown, so I figured that would get me out of the house when we went really early. Then we got in a fight with the, uh, the Asian people there because, you know, this is what I do. And... Uh, and then I want to do the podcast, you know, which takes a period of time. And I got to, you know, I get a gamble and I got to get things set up for tomorrow. And, you know, things aren't going too well, but it's okay because I'm still in a good mood because it's daylight and everything's cool. And, you know, tomorrow's tomorrow. Maybe everything will work out. Maybe I'll get the good numbers in the boxes and we'll make some money, you know. And that's the important thing right now. Because I really had everything going on at the beginning of January and I really kind of blew it. And it's sad. Because I got to not, I got to be cooler. I got to figure stuff out, but um, I can't have this in my life because I can't concentrate, and then we can't put together a good podcast like we need to. Am I right? Am I right? Of course, I'm right. Now, why would you play uh, the best scene ever for in movies in Goodfellas and then play the gayest song of uh, "Wouldn't It Be Good"? I can't tell you why. That's what I was feeling. I was, uh, I was, the song was in my head, and I said, "That's what uh, I'm going to play as my opening today," because I. You know, I like that opening theme, but I like it more when the guests are here because it gets them excited. And, you know, I get excited, too. But uh, that's what I decided to go with. But I got to say, that opening scene in Goodfellas, I mean, how 
Could you not listen to that all the time? Could you not watch it all the time? It is just one of the best scenes in movies. And I have to say, and as you know, I'm doing a production of Goodfellas on March 6th. I'm getting a little closer to feeling good about it. So I'm until the last week, I was a little nervous. But I have this casting choice, which I is interesting. I think you'll like, I hope. Uh, but that scene... I remember when I went to see this movie by myself in the movie theater in 1990. I remember I remember watching the scene and knowing right away I'm like he, this is an Oscar winning performance. He's going to win an Oscar for he's at least going to be nominated. There's no way he's going to I mean I remember watching it for the first time ever, not knowing anything about the film except that I knew I needed to see it, and that's why I went by myself. And seeing this particular scene and being like, this, this is this is a miracle of I don't even know what. Is it a miracle of acting? Is it a miracle of writing? Is it a miracle of just movie making? It's such it's such there's so many, you know, if you were in a class and you broke it down. You wouldn't even know where to begin because, number one, from what we know now, Joe Pesci kind of wrote that scene. It's not in the script. The the original movie script, that's why I'm having so much trouble. I pretty much have to go through the dialogue when I'm watching the movie at my desk uh, because the script is all over the place. The movie that you see is not the original script. I mean, you can find it right away because the original script opens, I think, at the bar with Billy Batts. The original script opens with, you know, get your shine box. And then he just went over and he did the voiceover and he mixed it all up. And that's what a genius does. But um, he felt he was missing something and then he got it back. And remember that, you know, the way those voiceovers are, and they're so awesome. The way Ray Liotta did it, we had never seen voiceovers like that before where somebody just kind of talking normally, uh, which made it so good. And then, of course, the uh, Karen talking too, fascinating fascinating way of doing it which i don't think the likes of anybody had seen before you know when he had a voiceover i mean i remember chevy chase did one in something i can't remember what and he was really funny but this was like really interesting and you know, serious but the way ray Liotta talks is good and that's why i'm having trouble i can't match it i'm having trouble matching the way he does it um so i don't know I don't, i'm not sure what i'm doing but anyway the point is, is this scene so we know that joe pesci kind of made it because he saw a guy do this, and the way he came up with it, I mean, it's amazing, but then his performance is so good, and think about this, think about this, and we talk about this a lot, we were talking about uh, Sigourney Weaver, um, who was nominated for, which I thought it was the same year, but it, it, it was mistaken, but let's just say, let's just say, you know, how badass she is in Aliens, and then she's also nominated for Working Girl, where she plays a completely different, type of bitch you know like a just completely different character and and think about it aliens right aliens a badass kick-ass this isn't wonder woman you know ladies the wonder woman oh wonder Woman's so great no this is badass shit this is badass guy shit guys go to this movie to see this woman kick ass and like nobody's talking about it now and i know i've said this a hundred times so i'm not going to go over it again but in 1986 this badass awesome actress kicked major ass in a male-driven motion picture. And that's all James Cameron's doing. And that's Sigourney Weaver. And kicked so much ass, and she and she was badass, right? And we're like, geez, she's really good. And then in Working Girl, she's doing a comedy, playing the villain, but a comedy. Now, that's really good acting. 
because she was great in both and nominated for both, and rightly so. And then she was the, the year I got mixed up, she was nominated for Gorillas in the Mist and Working Girl and lost both. That's not cool. That's not cool. You want to talk about you know the Me Too shit? You got somebody, anybody. I don't care whether it's man or a woman. If you're nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor or Actress, you, you, you deserve to win one of them. Are you kidding? Look, I'm going on my Oscar thing already because, you know, it's a, they announced the thing. So what I'm saying about Joe Pesci, 1990, I didn't even make this connection before. But, you know, when I keep looking at Goodfellas, it says 1990. 1990, Goodfellas. Do you know what else was in 1990? I'm pretty sure. I haven't even looked it up, but I'm positive that's the case. Home Alone. Which means Joe Pesci did this badass, scary, terrifying portrayal of a gangster that anyone would be afraid of. Maybe the scariest gangster of all time because, you know, as we see gangsters in the movie like The Godfather, they're all very smart, they're all calculated, they're killers, but they're very bright, very bright. And they have schemes and plans and things. But Joe Pesci was the scariest of all gangsters because he was psychotic. He was a psychopath who loved killing and and didn't give a shit and was crazy and couldn't be like like a Terminator. He could not be reasoned with. And he'd fly off the handle, which made him terrifying. We'd never seen a gangster like that before, you know, at least the Italian one, maybe, uh, you know, Scarface, something like that. But remember, Tony Montana was very smart until the end when he was on coke. But Joe Pesci did this amazing portrayal of which he deservedly won an Oscar for because it's, a, it's and let's face it, for that scene alone, there's so many good scenes he has, but that scene is a marvel of motion picture you know, writing, acting, directing, lighting. Uh, they talk about, you know, you can look up documentaries where they talk about the people around Joe Pesci where their faces go from laughs and laughs and smiles in a way of just kind of appeasing. They did this on The Sopranos once where you could see Tony Soprano looking around like, oh, these people are just laughing at me because they're afraid of me or something. And and that's the situation. But then you see the the smiles, you know, just disappear really slowly when it starts getting serious. So the whole scene is unbelievable and, you know, clearly it's documented that Martin Scorsese is a genius, so we don't have a problem with that. Uh, this isn't a one-time, you know, thing where a guy got lucky. Uh, but the thing is that that same year, Joe Pesci's in a, in a fucking comedy, like one of the highest grossing comedies of all time, and he's in the best, one of the guest, best gangster pictures of all time. I mean, it's definitely up there with The Godfather of all time being great mafia movies, of course. And and here this guy is doing one comedy and one real serious drama in the same year. Just like Sigourney Weaver. That's badass shit. That is badass shit, the likes of which we don't see anymore. It is very rare to see somebody in a badass performance and be scary and then be the comedy you know what though i just saw get out on saturday and i'll tell you something if allison williams i know this is weird i just thought of it while i was talking about it but if allison williams could make a classic comedy somehow or be involved in a classic comedy and be really funny she would do this she would be this because she was terrifying and get out that was an amazing performance by somebody I really couldn't give a shit about. So she could have this, this thing, you know, be that good. I mean, Home Alone is a great movie. Whether you care, whether you like it, whether you hate Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone is a fun, really good, classic 
not a classic comedy, but a really good movie, a fun movie, and Joe Pesci is brilliant in it. Maybe Daniel Stern is a little funnier, but let's face it, Joe Pesci's cool. He's scary, but it's also funny. I mean, he he's able... And, you know, think about all the Lethal Weapon movies he made where he plays the... Uh, kind of, let alone My Cousin Vinny, two years later, where he's in a classic comedy, almost playing the same character, but toning it down just enough because that shows you what a really good actor is, let alone Easy Money, which we played uh, last week, the little clip of, where he's the same character but also funny. I mean, you know, for actors that have, you know, studied acting, I've talked about this before, and I almost want to teach a class in this. When you're an actor, you don't think about being a comic actor. You think about being an actor. When you go to acting school, you want to be an actor. You never think about being a comic actor. Sometimes it just comes up. Now, for me, all I ever wanted to do was be a comic actor, but that's why I went into stand-up comedy. I, I, I liked comedies, but I wanted to be an actor. I mean, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do both. I wanted to do the Joe Pesci, Sigourney Weaver shit. That, that was my plan, to be in serious stuff and then be really funny too. But it's really difficult. I mean, every, anybody will tell you they have that saying in uh, the, the best movie, uh, one of the best movies ever, uh, my favorite year. He goes, uh, dying is easy, comedy is hard. I believe it was Sir Edmund, whatever, who said, dying is easy, comedy is hard. I'm doing my Peter O'Toole. Do you like it? But that's the thing, you know, it's really difficult doing a comedy, but Joe Pesci, who's technically can only be Joe Pesci, is so good that he's terrifying in that, even though it's funny, and we talk about it now, and we laugh about it, and then he's doing the same performance of my cousin Vinny, you know, he's, he's a little scared, but... It, but it's toned down just a tiny bit. Kind of the way Jerry Stiller did when he was in Seinfeld, you know, when he plays, you know, uh, what Costanza's uh, father. Why can't I think of his first name? They say it all the time. Uh, you know, he plays George's father. And uh, and then he took it down a tiny bit for King of Queens. You know, so like kind of playing the same role because it's still great, but took it down just enough. That's what Joe Pesci does. And, jo and Jerry Stiller is a trained actor. Jerry Stiller is a trained actor. He just ended up in comedy. You know, he did Stiller and Mirror in years and stuff, but then he was in, I, I saw him, I remember he was in a John Cusack film where he played like, the, you know, the, the villain. Uh, and that, that that's where I remember him from because Anne Mira was more, and Anne Mira, excellent example too. I think about it, it's so funny. I, I don't know where my mind is going, but, you know, Stiller and Mirror were, you know, a comedy team. You know, when I was little, they were a pretty famous comedy team, but, you know, like, you know, even when you're little, you know that they are, they're not great. You know, they're not SCTV Saturday Night Live great. They're, you know, they're your parents great. Uh, but you don't care. And you see them on stuff and they're like, eh, they're all right. You know, you know, like people, your parents would tell you, Nichols and May, oh my God, they were amazing. But, you know, then you see your performance. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And this is why I always get upset, you know, being my age. I'm talking to kids in their 20s. You know, we're talking to Tana. But meanwhile, again, we have to say Tana's, Tana's almost 40 so, you know, that's why I say, like, well, if I tell you Caddyshack, you need to see Caddyshack before you do stand-up comedy, to a 22-year-old, they might say, eh, eh. you know, just like we always talk about my parents or your parents telling you, oh, Some Like It Hot is the funniest movie ever, and then you see it, and you're like, yeah, I don't, mm, no. Because comedy changes, and things change, and the world changes. I mean, you know, there's so many, I mean, you know, so many movies now you can't even watch because you're like, oh, my God, this is so racist. But... 
that so Stiller and Mira, you know, like I remember Ann Mira was just on a bunch of stuff. I never saw Jerry Stiller do anything. Ann Mira was on a lot of shows. She was on like Archie Bunker's place or whatever. You know, but then I remember she was in Fame. She was in the movie Fame in 1980 and it had a very serious role of the school teacher and a very serious scene with Leroy. And she was a comedian, you know, technically. But these were both, they were husband and wife, they were trained actors. And, you know, even Ben Stiller has done that where he's supposedly known for comedy, but he's done a couple movies where it's been very serious. Because that's the right thing to do if you're a real actor. And if you're trained, that's what you should be able to do. But let's face it, some people can't handle the comedy. And the way I think about that all the time, and the reason why I thought it was almost important to teach a course in it is because I remember, you know, I, and I think I've told you this before, maybe I haven't. In, I guess, around 2000, I was doing this play called uh, Gross Negligence. Uh, and I was doing it live at this theater downtown somewhere because uh, it was part of this thing called the David Luchow Project uh, where I played this character, David Luchow, who's done over 200 pilots for the networks. None of them have gotten a series. And then we're going to perform some of them, the leftover ones. I'm going to explain why they've never been picked up. I can't figure it out. You tell me. And they're all like just little, they're just ways to do little sitcom things, you know. So one of them was called Gross Negligence. And the plot was uh, three fraternity brothers who love partying so much, they decide to go to law school because they want to continue the party. And then one of their dads buys them a law firm where they only handle strippers and midgets. Uh, <laughs> you know? uh, when strippers and midgets are in trouble, the boys from Gross Negligence will help. And I think we even named the firm Bender Over and Doer. You know, and we just start laughing, hilarious. And I was very fortunate, um, you know, somebody saw it, and I don't know whether I've ever told you this. Uh, Spike TV picked up, they bought my play, and we're going to turn it into a TV series called Gross Negligence, or whatever they were going to I didn't give a shit, and put me with a writer who wrote, I mean, obviously, I could look up his name. You could look it up. Who wrote the movie Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey, which I liked a lot. And I was like, wow, that's, what an honor. And then he sent me notes. And the first, he's like, wow, I, this is just got And he had such really good notes about, you know, what I did wrong and what I did right. Because I remember I showed my father and I'm like, look, this is a real writer. He knows what he's doing. These notes are amazing. And then he wrote a draft and I hated it. Like, I didn't hate it, but he, and then we had a conversation about it. I'm like, well, it's fine, but you you missed you missed the, the kind of the you know, and not to be gay about it, but like you missed the niceness of these boys that they're they're pleasant, even though they're they're just idiots. But the the niceness, the the friendship, you you missed that because I always think that's kind of important, and I think I take that from this is Spinal Tap. Um, you know, a movie which is really important to us and all of you who listen to this podcast and what I was trying to explain to Tana, who will never understand. There's a scene in This is Spinal Tap where they're fighting, David and Nigel, uh, because, you know, time takes its toll and the, you know, the classic uh, David's girlfriend broke them up, Janine, uh, you know, where... Uh, even, uh, you know, he hates, uh, Nigel hates Janine because she knows, he knows she's trouble for the band. And remember, he's, he's sitting in the microphone. I mean, I say it all the time. Whenever I have a live microphone or an audience, I go like, David, smell the gloves here. Hello, Janine. You know, he can't stand it. So so they break up because of that because Janine is a mess and whatever. And, and uh, but then he comes back. Remember, he gives them the message that uh, Sex Farm 
has got a number five in the charts in Japan and to think about doing a tour. And they're like, oh, what would you think? And they're yelling, you know, not yelling at each other, but they're like, I just come as a messenger to tell you that um, I've heard that Sex Form is on five and they want us to do a tour. He goes, so you just think that coming here, you the wave of your magic hand and all of a sudden things will be better. Like they're still fighting. And then when Janine leaves, they have this moment together. They know they've been childhood friends and David's about to go on stage and Nigel says, and I swear to God, I think I do this daily but nobody knows where it's from he goes david and there's a pause and he goes yeah have a good show and he just gives him the nod and that one moment makes this laugh out loud ridiculous comedy take on a whole new level and remember also it's a documentary you know but at that moment you're so involved with the characters, it's not a documentary anymore. This is just a good film. It's been good throughout. You've been laughing. You've been loving it because it's so amazing. But then that one moment, which makes it real, and you see the friendship between these two guys that have, you know, there's just too much to be mad at each other forever, Take makes the movie and puts it in an entirely different direction. Again, you don't know who to thank. Do you thank Rob Reiner for that? You have to thank him for keeping it in because from what I understand, he was merciless when he made the cuts, which was very smart because the movie's only 84 minutes and it's pure gold every minute of it. There's not one bad part. And we've seen the extras and although they might be good, they don't, you know, he did the right thing. Leaving that in, very important. Takes the movie in another direction and then, of course, uh, you know, really gives the the film the the quality kind of happy ending, but in a really clever way that makes it a legendary, masterful piece, whereas, as we know, all those guys, Rob Reiner, uh, Michael McKeon, uh, Christopher Guest, Harry Shear, have all gone on to do great things. Like, they're still around doing movies and shows and TV and all that stuff because that's how good they were. So that's the thing, like this guy, he's just kind of missed that moment that I had, like a little bit of realness in a in a ridiculousness, you know, like one serious moment. And I've always tried to put that in all my stuff, the original stuff, whether, you know, it's comedy, it's laugh, you just make a joke, joke, joke. One little serious moment can change everything. Do you know that, and this is weird, but in Seinfeld, there's never been a serious moment, ever. I mean, maybe you could look at where George's wife, uh, fiance, you know, dies, and they have that one thing like, you know, it's like, so. You know, and it's like, but it's, and it's weird, but that's a totally different thing. There's, in the whole run of nine seasons, because they made sure, Larry David made sure, like, we're not going to go this direction. There's one serious moment that I think is so cool and so interesting and it is where jerry and elaine have gone out and now they're broken up and it's her birthday remember kramer gets to the bench and they're sitting on the bench and they have this one serious talk in the entire run of the series where they're just talking about like what what do we do now so he's like she's like i can't i can't do this even though she said 
it'll be fine. They have this relationship, and here's the thing. Remember, he says to George, he's like, oh, listen, you're crazy. You can't have both. You can't have both. It's never going to work. He's like, well, here are the rules. He goes, first of all, no calls the next day. And George is like, all right, that's pretty good. You know, <laughs> like he's buying into it. And then he goes, number two, staying over is optional. He goes, all right, all right. See, you got greedy. Uh, that's where you're wrong. He's like, I don't know anything about girls, but I do know this. If you think you're leaving after that, you know, you're dead wrong. And and that changes the complexity. And they have this very serious talk. He goes, so we can't be, this, like she's saying, I can't be friends with you anymore. And they have this really serious thing. And I'm like, you know, I like that. I like once in a while in a classic comedy like Seinfeld, classic comedy, there's a moment. And I think it's important. And uh, this guy, like, I don't know, you know, he just didn't get, there's no big deal. I was just talking to him, like, here's what I'd like to do. And then the writer's strike happened and everything went dead. And this is why I have no money or job. And, you know, I'm the Bill Persky of our day when I told you that story that he blames everybody else. I mean, that's, I'm not blaming everybody else. I mean, there was a writer's strike. And what are you going to do? Just bad luck. I have a lot of bad luck. A lot of bad luck. I mean, ridiculously bad luck. I mean, that's why I should never gamble. I am full of bad luck. That is what I do. I mean, you know, if, if besides last year, which was so strange, you know, I'm, I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going all in on the Patriots. I always, ah, they have a better. Let's do it. They're down 28 to three. Only because I bet on them. But then, Jesus Christ, you can't. They, they just rise above my bad luck. That team is so goddamn blessed. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You know, the only one that can break their curse is Eli Manning. It's unbelievable. You know, now that I think about it, and this I was just thinking about because I want to watch that 30 and 30 on Bill Belichick. It's called the two Bills, um, Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells. I wonder if there's a curse that Parcells cursed Belichick because that's why the Giants, even though Parcells has nothing to do with the Giants anymore and they've only lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, uh, I wonder if there's something there. Speaking of bad luck, that's interesting. Because as Artie's always said, Tom Brady would have a perfect life if not for Eli Manning. And that is so true. Isn't that funny? He'd have a perfect life. (laughs) Everything is going his way. And that's the other thing. You've heard about his uh, FaceTime show or whatever the fuck it is, Facebook show. It's so weird. You know, everybody's been, it's so, think about this. First, there's been two controversies. One, that radio DJ who, because the little girl is yelling at him and he's on the phone and she's like, and she's being a little piss-ass and then he got mad at them that guy got fired. And Howard Stern keeps saying the, the best thing. He's like, if you put your kids on television, this is what you get. Because you got to hand it to Howard. We, have, we don't even know what his daughters look like. That's the way to do it. You know, unless they want to be actresses, that's something else. And the weird part is his daughter was an actress I think she gave it up because he might have even asked her to because I remember she got naked in a play and I don't know what happened. That's a whole, we got to find that out. Like when, when he's on his deathbed, we'll, maybe we'll find out some info on that. But, uh, cause Artie's told me stuff, but I don't know whether to believe it or not. But, you know, if you're going to put your kids out there, then you, unfortunately, you know, it's not like, you know, you, you're not supposed to make fun of Baron Trump. You're not supposed to make fun of Chelsea Clinton or Amy Carter, <laughs> you know, in the day. Uh, because they're technically civilians. They didn't choose this life. This is the way, and that's the polite thing to do, uh, even though we can, you know, make fun of them, you know, like a tell can do it and stuff. <laughs> but technically, you know, you're not supposed to make fun of because it's, it's, it is uncool. They didn't ask for this. 
But if you're going to put him, I mean, Barron Trump doesn't have his own TV show. You know, he doesn't have a, you know, if Donald Trump put him on the reality show, I think it's fair game. Then you just blame the parents. So it's weird. And then that with his son kissing him on, on the lips like that. Now, my family, we've always kissed on the lips, but they kissed on the lips for like six seconds. Boy, that was awkward. Somebody showed it to me yesterday. I'm like, I don't think it's going to be a, oh my God. Like, she's like, no, I want to hear your reaction when you see it live. And now I totally understand. I mean, what was that all about? That was weird. That was weird, right? It was weird. And it's, but the question is, why after all this time where he's done everything technically perfectly, we don't know anything about Tom Brady and that's all he wanted. He doesn't do commercials. You know, he does a lot of charity, but he, he really tries to stay away from the light. Whereas we see other quarterbacks, you know, Peyton Manning, forget about it. I mean, that guy's the biggest whore in television, but he's hilarious and he should be in commercials because he's so funny. And it's just it's just a bummer. Like when you lose, like Drew Brees is doing all these commercials. Now he must feel like an idiot because now, he, you know, he lost. Like, you know, it's only funny when you're winning, you know, that you're on the TV commercials. It certainly sucks. You must hate yourself that you're like, I don't know why I'm funny. In the, like like um, Aaron Rodgers is a great example of him and, uh, you know, Clay Matthews. And they're in these really funny commercials together. And now they're probably just like, we shouldn't have done those. We really should have just concentrated on the game. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do to get injured? But but why would he choose now? Why now? He's done everything perfectly to keep himself out of any kind of spotlight, even though how can you not sign a spotlight on him? You know, because he's 40, and who the hell would bet on a 40-year-old quarterback ever? And that's why I am betting the Patriots, even though the spread is four and a half and they never cover spreads. What am I going to bet on a backup quarterback? I'm going to bet against Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, even if they don't cover, at least I'll say to myself, well, I bet on the this legendary dynasty team because that was the right. What are you going to bet against Joe Montana in a Super Bowl? You know, then you're just asking for trouble. Would you bet on Eli Manning when he's playing the Patriots? Yeah, because not only that, he, you know, he beat Peyton, he beat Tom Brady once. So yeah, that time maybe. But I'm not betting on a backup quarterback. Maybe the Eagles will win. Maybe they'll blow them out. Who knows? But how do you bet on a backup quarterback? The only bet I ever made on a backup quarterback was Jeff Hotler because uh, I was a Giants fan at the time when I was looking forward to them winning and. Uh, you know, who the hell gives about Jim Kelly? Jim Kelly is clearly not Tom Brady. I mean, you're going to bet against a guy that's been to six Super Bowls and won four? No, he's wait, won five. No, wait. I thought they said it was a six Super Bowl. But they, oh, I guess they've only won five. They've lost, no, but they lost two. I don't know. Maybe I have it wrong. But, uh, yeah, you know, why would you put your money on anybody but Tom Brady? And Bill Belichick to get it done. But the problem is they just don't cover spreads. That's why the four and a half is brilliant. If it's three, everyone's betting the Patriots. But that one thing, because they only win by three all the time. But like I said last week, they do blah, blah, blah. Why am I talking about this now? Because now I'm going to look retarded because it's coming out on Tuesday. I should just edit all this out. This is so stupid. I can't believe I'm saying. I'm so stupid. I forgot. I, you know, I'm thinking it's tomorrow. Now I'm going to look retarded. I keep saying retarded too. I'm sorry. I, now I'm going to look foolish. Why don't we get down to uh, other stuff we were talking about? I really went off on a tangent here. I guess I'm just worried, you know. But and, and this is going to come out, and you're going to be like, "Ah, oh, you well, 
Maybe it'll come out and be like, oh my God, he was totally right. God, I hope so, right? Because otherwise, I don't know, you may never hear from me again. This could be the last podcast. Who knows? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, just one last thing about Goodfellas, what I want to say is the casting choice that I've made to play Joe Pesci, and it came to me, and I can't even believe I thought about it, and you may not like it, but I think it's going to work really good. Judy Gold. Yeah, loud, lesbian, Judy Gold, tall. She's going to be perfect. And it's making me happy thinking about it because I, when I was thinking about all the people that are going to play, it's going to be like against type. But Judy actually is that type. She's terrifying. <laughs> she's scary. And she's loud. And she could turn on a dime. She doesn't even have to act. She's the perfect person to play the Joe Pesci part in Goodfellas. So with that being said, because I have Joe Mackey in two, I was going to have him maybe play. You know, I asked Colin Quinn, but I haven't heard from him, so I just got to assume he's out. Um, I decided to play Henry Hill because, well, let's face it, you know, I can't count on anybody to do it the right way. So, you know, in that scene, you know, I know exactly the timing. I know everything to do, and I don't know whether I can trust anybody else. I know we all know how to do it, but you know I can know how to do it good. So it's like, you know, I know how to do the timing. with like, you know, you the way he tells the story, you know, just, you're funny, you know, just, no, like, because I don't mind taking the time, you know, like, I think a lot of the comedians, you know, they can't have the silence, but I don't mind, and the audience will like it, you know, they'll get it, they'll know why I'm doing it, and then, I'm, you know, then the times between, like, get the fuck out of here, Tommy, I swear to God, you know, that, I think, I think I can do it best, uh, so I'm going to do, I don't know whether I can do a good Ray Liotta. It's not like the Marlon Brando or anything, but I think I can do the timing and certain nuances that hopefully the guys that know, yeah, I'm saying the guys, yeah, I'm being sexist, the guys that know Goodfellas the way, you know, we all do backwards and forwards uh, will appreciate it. Also, I've been thinking of the Copacabana scene, and I think what I'm going to do is, uh, you know, clearly walk through the audience with a wireless mic just saying hello to everybody, <laughs> you know, giving out 20s, but I'm going to, Make twenties on the copier, so they <laughs> so they have a picture of Eddie Murphy as Prince Hakeem, <laughs> which will be just an inside joke of the people that get the bills because you know, like you're not gonna <laughs> see it. I'm just gonna hand it out like just paper, you know, fake money with Hakeem on it, <laughs> like in Coming to America. I just thought of that the other day. I think that'll be funny. And then I'm just going to sit in the audience and have Natterman play Henny Youngman and do jokes. I think. This is the plan. This is the plan. This is a tough one. There's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff. Not as much dialogue as I like to be. Carmen Lynch, who is a lovely comedian, very lovely person, uh, is going to be a new uh, Just Cow regular. Uh, Rachel put me in touch with her. Carmen Lynch. She's pretty. She's thin. I think she can act. She knows the movie. We'll see. She will be playing Karen. Karen! See, I can do that part, but that's the next episode. Uh, I'm going to take it from the beginning to when they get married and step on the glass. We'll say Mazel Tov, and then we'll call it a day. Then we'll play the full house music, as we always like to. So that's the plan. For now, but I am having some difficulty. Uh, I guess I'll have Joe Mackey play Robert De Niro. Or I see the problem is, I'm not having a regular narrator. I'm having somebody do the voiceover, and I'm not sure who to do it. I was thinking of Richard Klein, you know, Larry from Three's Company, our friend, if he's around, maybe. Yeah, he's such a delight. Mike Buscetti obviously is Maury. That's a no-brainer. That's a no-brainer. And Mike Buscetti as. Uh, 
I mean, are, are you kidding? How are we not having Mike Buscemi do? I got to get the papers, get the papers. <laughs> and that alone, uh, you know, even if it sucks, people are like, well, I mean, Buscemi saying get the papers. I mean, that was so. Oh, also, I think I'm going to play, if I can do it both because they're in the same scenes together, I'm going to play that guy, Sonny, that we just heard. Like, I mean, seven fucking Gs, you know, because I like that scene where he's with Paulie. I think I can do it well. That's what I'm saying. The ones I think I can do the nuances or the sounds I you know I try and do myself you know so I want to be like what the fuck you think I'm talking about Paulie I'm talking I mean, that's what I'm trying to say take a piece of the joint because you know it's like I don't know what I can do with this guy Tom I'm looking over my shoulder I don't know you mean we've known each other a long time right I mean so what the fuck you fucking think I'm talking about that's what I'm fucking saying I mean he's there all the time he knows how it runs well wait, 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 what do I know about running a restaurant I know I don't want a meal. That's about it. That's what I'm saying. You know, just take a piece of the joint. I don't know. Unless I can find somebody who can do it. I I, I put. I'm trying to get uh, Bob Kelly too. I emailed him, but he hasn't gotten back to play uh, Paulie. Duh. And Tootie, Tutty, whatever his name is pronounced, makes so much sense, right? But more to come on that. You know, I bought MyPillow.com. I bought one of those, and I slept on it two nights, and it's it's horrible. It's not. It's not. I had to change it twice. It's not, it's bad, I think. It's not, it's not, it's not good, I think. I mean, I want to give it another chance, but I don't, it's not, I don't think it's for me. I'm having a lot of neck problems, so I thought I'd change my pillow. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I need just a new mattress, but I thought I'd try a pillow first. That's just a uh, side note. Um, I went to see Star Wars 8 on Tuesday, so to keep my streak going of seeing every single Star Wars, uh, you know, 1 through 8, in the movie theater from the very beginning, since 1977, thank you. Uh, That's the second Star Wars I've seen on my own. I saw Star Wars 7 on my own as well, uh, way after the fact, because I just never go to the movies. So I never go to the movies, and I've seen a lot of movies by myself, but I... Don't go my. I mean, I love going with somebody else. I mean, it's really fun. Although Jesus Christ, people who go to the movie. I mean, it's just like being on a plane. People are just so rude and nasty and horrible. No wonder when nobody wants to go. No wonder it's just better to see stuff at home. But I really want to see it in the movies. So I go to the movie theater. Like I have to work on Tuesday. You know, like a six thirty movie. And I'm excited about it. And you know, even though seven sucked, I I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was funny, but. Oh, my God. What is it, three hours? That's way too long. I don't think I'm being old and saying that's too long. That's too long. There was, that, that was the only problem with that. Otherwise, I really enjoyed it. And that girl, Daisy, whatever her name is, man, she is sexy. So I like her. I was hoping, you know, well, I'm not going to explain anything. And I thought Mark Hamill was really good and really funny. So I liked it this time because I was just, you know, angry about what happened in seven you know, they get rid of one of my favorite my favorite characters of all time in the goddamn movies. I'm gonna get angry, and if he doesn't go out in a blaze of glory, I'm gonna be upset. So this time they fix that kind of stuff. But so I'm going in the movie theater, and it's this uh, dungeon because you know it's already been out for two months. And uh, every time I've gone to the movies by myself, I just go in and I go out, and I never get popcorn, I never get anything to eat or drink or anything. I just go in. You know, just see the movie and then I leave. I think my dad used to do that sometimes. So I was just that's the way to do it. You know, even when I went to see Blue Crush, 
uh, by myself in a raincoat uh, with all the other little girls. I just, because, anyway. Um, but this time I was like, you know, because I've been having fun going to the movies with people and getting pop. Like, there was so long a time I would just not get anything. But lately I've been like, it's been fun getting popcorn and some soda and just kind of enjoying, even though, you know, you don't watch the movie with that. You know, there's 30 minutes of coming attraction, so you're finished with your food by then. But that's the way it should work. So you're not munching and crunching and unwrapping and stuff during the movie. So... I'm sitting there and it's time and I'm just hanging out and I'm waiting and it doesn't look that crowded and I hated the fact that I had to reserve a seat beforehand because I like to survey, you know? I'm by myself. Reserving a seat when you're by yourself stinks because you don't know how that's going to pan out. I mean, I obviously should have gone in the aisle, but I didn't want to go in the aisle. It wasn't that crowded. Anyway, so I'm waiting around. I'm like, should I get popcorn? Should I get it? Should I get popcorn and soda? It'll be fun. It'll be fun to get popcorn and a soda. Isn't this ridiculous that, you know, I had to think about it this much? But it's like, you know, I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look like a slob. I don't want to look like a pig. And I'm sitting there like, oh, this guy's by himself and he's eating popcorn. You look at a fat tub. You know, know, that's what I think about myself. You know, that's why I can't go to a restaurant by myself or something like that. I can sit and eat at a bar or something, but that's different. But, you know, you're a a fat guy, a fat, bald guy just sitting, you know, old man sitting in by himself in the popcorn. You know, you just look. this This is the way I think. And I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. There was no one at the concession stand, so I got popcorn. I got a soda, the small version, whatever that is. And uh, I went to sit down. I'm like, you know what? I can, I can handle this. I can handle it. Even though I was nervous because you know it's one of those theaters where you're coming in from the middle, the front, so everybody's looking at you when you go in. And I sit down, and I'm like, yeah, I can do this. This is great. And as soon as I start eating the popcorn. Two ridiculously hot girls sit right next to me, right next to me, without even a chair, right next to me. How did they even choose those seats? I mean, wouldn't you choose one away? Then I just had to start. I'm like, oh, God. I start, I had to start, like, I was concentrating on my chewing. Am I chewing too loud? But meanwhile, not just that, these girls were really pretty, and I was just so embarrassed. And then there's a coming attraction for, I think, a movie called Silence, where they're just sitting there in silence because apparently it's a scary movie. If you talk, they find you. So the whole coming attraction is just hand motion, like like deaf people. And I'm like, this sucks even more. This is, this is, again, this is the worst luck anyone can have. You're hoping at least... Hot girls aren't going to sit next to you, so you watch this fat pig eating his super buttery popcorn and a huge Mr. Pib. <laughs> and then there's a, a fucking coming attraction with no noise. So I'm sitting there eating the popcorn. You know, trying not to chew, even though I don't think they give a shit. They, meanwhile, they were opening like a bag of chips at one point and stuff. But, you know, uh, this is me. This is what I do. You know, I'm like a paranoid that they're going to be like, oh, my God, you hear that old man eating that popcorn? Oh, my God, he was really going for it. That's what I'm thinking in my head. They're not thinking that. Maybe they are, but I don't think, because that's what I'd be thinking. This is what I'd be thinking. That's the problem. They're not thinking that. They're just enjoying the movie and whatever. But it's just so, I mean, what are the odds of that? That's what I'm saying. I shouldn't be betting on anything. I mean, that's really bad luck, let alone the stupid coming attraction for the stupidest movie of all time. Do you think I would ever go to a movie theater to see that stupid film where nobody's going to be talking? There's no music. There's just no talk. I mean, that's the one you see at your house 
when you're by yourself? Why would you want to be in a movie theater with a bunch of jerk-offs that are coughing and sneezing and you can hear all their stuff in a, in a movie where they're not going to do – there's no noise. I mean, that just seems so uncomfortable. I wouldn't be able to handle that. But, uh, yeah. So there was that. And I got out. I mean, it was like, geez, I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm like, why? Oh, because the thing was three hours. I looked at my watch. The thing started at 6.30. I got it at 9.20. 9.20. What the fuck? A Star Wars movie should be, first of all, no movie should be over two hours. There's just no need. But if it is 2.10, tops, 2.20. And that should be tops. There should never be a movie unless it is an epic like a Titanic or a Ten Commandments or the Godfather that should ever be over. A Star Wars movie should be 205 or 155. And there were so many times I'm like, this has got to be the end. This has got to be the end. You could just end it right here. Like, what are they even going to do for the third one? It seemed to me everything was resolved. Carrie Fisher, so unappealing. What an asshole to do all those drugs and all that stuff and make her look so stupid. She was so stunning. So stunning. Oh, her voice is disgusting. I, you know, I'm sad she's dead, but I'm, you know, you know, she's just gross, and it, and it and it and it and it it bothers you, you know, like because you know when you saw her as a kid and stuff, and I I get that people age and stuff, and you know, looks, but you know, she partied hard, and we know that, and that's why she looks like that. It's not because you know she aged poorly or anything. She did it to herself, you know, like me. Hey, oh. Well, I did. That's why you see my boobs on crashing. I did it to myself. What am I? I don't eat uh, healthy. I don't do anything. I don't care. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I living for? I have no idea. What's the end game here? What's the plan? I don't know. But movie-wise, the point is, uh, you know, they have the Oscar thing. And, of course, obviously, we'll have our uh, Oscar picks uh, because, and I'm not saying the Oscar pick, I mean, maybe we'll have our roundtable discussions. Up. I'm talking about my picks. Now, that's the one thing I'm really good at. And last year, I cleaned up. It was fantastic. And if there was only, uh, I only wish the Oscars were next week. So after I lose all this money, I could pay it back by winning the Oscar. You know, you get those, those underdogs. I'll tell you what they are, because I don't care if you know. I told you, my bookies just go off what I bet anyway. So just as long as you, you know, bet the same day as hear the podcast, everything should be fine. But I'll find the underdogs for you, and I found them last year, boy. I'll tell you, I found them. I found them. You're talking about putting just twenty dollars. Don't fool around. You know, twenty dollars. Everything's plus seven hundred dollars. You're gonna win, you know, four hundred dollars or whatever it is. It's a sweet magic deal, and those those things are out there. There's a lot of upsets nowadays. It's not like the it's not like the old days when we could do whatever we wanted. After all, we're not communists. <laughs> the thing is, though, have you heard of this Tiffany Hadash? She's a uh, black comic, I think fairly attractive. I don't want to be racist, (laughs) but she did the nominations in the morning last week, and she flubbed every name, every line, everything. It was an embarrassment. And now she's on Twitter, and people are like, oh, they're applauding her, they're applauding her. I don't know how you can applaud somebody. Now, listen, I wouldn't be able to pronounce any of those names. So that's what I'm saying. Like, 
you know all the names are difficult to pronounce these days. Everybody's foreign. Everybody's got strange names. Why are you putting her in that position? But even in this clip that we're going to play, she does pronounce Missouri, but she had trouble pronouncing Missouri three other times. That's a clip I'll get for next time. I swear to you, I'm not lying. She had trouble pronouncing Missouri. Why are you having this girl announcing Guillermo del Toro's name? She had trouble pronouncing stuff they could never have seen coming. There's this other guy, Andy Sirikis or whatever this guy, he's a British guy. He's sitting there and he's trying to maintain not to say, oh my God, you are a dumb American. Or let alone being black, it's even more embarrassing, I think. That's why I'm not saying I'm being racist, but I think it's even more of an embarrassment. And I think she's getting a free pass because she's black. Where everybody on Twitter is like, oh, it was adorable. She was mispronouncing everybody's name. If that was a white person, if it was a white woman, she would be, I, I mean, I really even think now she would be shit on on Twitter. I think she's getting a pass. And I don't know how she's not mortified. For performance by an actor in a leading role. Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name. Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Daniel Kouye. Now, that's a black guy. You can't even pronounce... You know, I'm just saying, you know, that's a, that guy was brilliant, though. Hallelujah. 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 Daniel Kalua. Kalaluya. Kalaluya. Yeah, Kal- you know it. He know his name. And get out. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour. And Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. And for performance by an actress in a leading role, Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. Yeah, I don't think I have her mispronouncing anything else. Francis McDormand in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, she had so much trouble with Missouri. Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. Well, this isn't fair. He got all the good names. Saoirse Ronan in Lady Bird. She would never have been able to pronounce Saoirse Ronan. I can't barely pronounce that one. And Meryl Streep in The Post. Mm-hmm. So why didn't they give her those? Yeah, that's, that was a horrible clip because I'm telling you, if you go online, you will see, oh, my God, she pronounced so much more. That was a horrible example, a horrible example. It was so much worse than you could possibly imagine. And like, it really, really was, um, and a real embarrassment. But, and that's why I don't understand why she's getting props. You know, but meanwhile, I couldn't pronounce Daniel Kalua's name either. So that I would say to them, hey, there's too many names that I don't think I'd be able to handle so take me out of it. You know, I mean, it's really difficult pronouncing names nowadays. You know, back when Bob Hope was the host, it was always like, and um, Dan Smith and uh, Joe Blow. And he was Jimmy Stewart. You know, I mean, it's just like, uh, what could be more easy? Then you got Sarsha Ronan, Daniel Kalua. You know, I mean, how about that uh, that one from uh, 12 Years a Slave who won? Uh, Napita Lapuno. I mean, it's really, really difficult now. So I just say, like, you know, take yourself out of the mix. But she probably didn't even, she was probably so honored. I mean, let's face it. Somebody said, like, hey, do you want to announce the nominations? I'd be, uh, I would probably say no, because I'd be like, no, I'd prefer to be nominated. I think I'll wait till I'm nominated. And then if I win next year, maybe I'll do it then. Maybe. 
But, you know, announcing the nominations is, like, lame. You want to be nominated, then you want to show up at the goddamn Oscars. That's the way to go. But what I was saying about the Oscars, you know, they were saying, this year the only two of the Best Picture nominations ranked, and they've always said this, ranked in the box office top 15 with Dunkirk at number 14 and Get Out at number 15. I mean, I mean, it's 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 really, this is the way it's always been. Like the blockbuster, you know, it's like, what's the point? Like, so here's the list of movies from 2017. It's like, that's why the Oscars is like a joke. It, you know, the they, they should be really going for it and just nominating lots of different kind of stuff. Like, why not nominate Star Wars The Last Jedi since it made $611 million at the box office and it opened in late December? I mean, that's the number one movie of 2017 and it opened like the 25th. Are you kidding? Second one, Beauty and the Beast. Why not nominate that? That made $500 million of the box office. The number two for 2017, Beauty and the Beast. Why not nominate that? It got nominated when it was a cartoon for Best Picture. It was the first nominated movie to ever get nominated for Best Picture. I'm just saying, you know, it's like we don't even get down until we're 14. Wonder Woman is number three. That's amazing. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Jumanji, all these movies kind of suck. They make a fortune. Jumanji's not even finished. That's going to go up. Spider-Man Homecoming, that was terrific. That was terrific. Why isn't Michael Keaton nominated for that or even that kid? Or even Marissa Tomei. How you doing? It, which I, yeah, I saw a lot of these. Yeah, good for me. Um, Thor... Ragnarok, which I actually am dying to see, and I wanted to see it in the movie. I didn't get to see it, and I heard it was really, really fun. Despicable Me 3, Justice League. How did that get in there? God, you know, I'm dying to see that movie. I mean, that's my favorite thing growing up, Justice League, and I, I can't sit through Ben Affleck or any of those people. They're all so horrible. Why can't DC put it together? Logan. So look at this. Uh, are we even... Fin- yeah, yeah. So you got... This is superhero stuff. Wonder Woman. Gardens of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, Thor, I'm counting on my fingers, Justice League, Logan, six of the top 11 are superhero movies. But we know that. We know that. The Fate of the Furious, we know that's just killer. Coco, that ridiculous animated film, which is going to win, so don't bet on that because that's... See, so they're going to nominate... They nominated the best animated film, and that's expected to win. Like, when it comes to animation... It seems like those films win when they're the top box office ones. So Dunkirk is the first movie nominated at 14, but still only making like $188 million. I mean, that's a lot, but... And Get Out making $175 million. That's terrific. Really great. I just, you know... The Lego Batman movie comes after that. So you got like... Dunkirk's like the only like actually serious movie. Then you got The Boss Baby. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man. I can't even believe that makes money. Kong, Skull Islands, all these fantasy things. Cars 3, War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, here's like a regular normal one that I was dying to see but never got to see. I tried to see it when it first came out. Split. Um, I think with that guy from, uh, you know, the X-Men. Uh, I can't think of his name, but he's really good. And he plays like three different personalities with like a... You know, it's like a slasher film, I think, or something like that. But uh, so that's like the first, like, like not superhero, no animation, 
uh, kind of movie. Like that, besides Dunkirk and 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 Get Out, Split. How about that? Twenty Three's Wonder. I, oh, that's about that retarded kid. I'm sorry, I keep using retarded, but that's. I think he's autistic. I don't know. And then Transformers. Isn't that Mark Wahlberg? The Greatest Showman. That doesn't you know count because it's the game. There's our Michelle Williams one. Girls Trip. Fifty Shades Darker. Baby Driver. Daddy's Home. Pitch Perfect. Murder on the Orient Express. Annabelle. Kingsman. Blade Runner. I mean, the reason I'm going down these things is because I'm I'm looking. My God, I'm 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 already at forty nine. 50, Atomic Blonde, 51, 52, 53, oh my God, Snatched, 54. I'm doing this because it, it takes to get to 63, 63 until you get to Lady Bird, which is nominated plenty, writing, acting, directing, every, Lady Bird, 63 at the box office, only making $42 million. It takes until the shape of water is at sixty-seven, making thirty-nine million dollars. I mean, the three billboards—they're all like linked together. They all made about thirty, forty million. I guess you know maybe getting like a ten million dollar boost once they were nominated. I mean, it's it's kind of weird, but I mean it's been this way for a long time. People are always like, "Well, how come Star Wars doesn't always win?" I, I know that's the way it should be, but I don't know if nobody's if nobody cares about the movies. Why are we making them? What's our reasoning for making them? Last year, I was looking at the same thing. And because they always say that, you know, once you win, you get a boost. So maybe that's true, but but it's, it's not. Hidden Figures was number 14. Now, the number one box office last year was Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I can't believe it. I finally just saw that. It's okay. Finding Dory, Captain America. It's always the same thing. Secret Life of Pets, The Jungle Book, All Fantasies, Deadpool, Zootopia, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Sing, Moana. I mean, all Fantastic Beasts, Doctor Strange. It's not until 14 were Hidden Figures, which was nominated for a bunch of stuff, which I never saw, actually made some money last year. All superhero, all animated. I mean, if this is what we like... Why don't we just change the Academy Awards to make it stuff we really like? I mean, wouldn't you watch if Star Wars was nominated instead of The Shape of Water? La La Land was 19 and made 151 million. But the the point of the story being that Moonlight, which is the one that actually won the Academy Award once they figured out all the problem, was 92. At the box office, 90, 92nd place, it only made $27 million, and that's after it was it won Best Picture. So why are you, why are these pictures winning that nobody's seeing? <laughs> I mean, who's voting? I mean, I know it's the Academy, but why are we watching? Clearly, they're not doing it for us. I don't really have that much else to say. And I don't have that much to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. Seat's taken. So that's Larry Nasser. I don't know if you saw the uh, one of the fathers of the girls like uh, uh, going to kill him 
at the you know one of the try you know one of these girls are just still do you know that these girls are still for some reason there's a judge in Michigan like I, I don't know what's happening but these girls are still allowed to go tell him he's a piece of he's already been sentenced I I don't understand I mean I have no problem with him still being punished he's a douchebag but how is this even legal where these girls are all get to have their turn and just tell him face to face that he's a douchebag so this father this tough guy. He's asking if he can have a minute alone with them. And the judge is like, what are you, a retard? I keep saying retard, sorry. I'll get over it sooner or later. Um, and then the guy just lunges at him and he gets stopped and you know they didn't arrest him because apparently his daughters didn't share with him what their statements were first. So I guess he was just, can you imagine? Can you seriously though? You, you totally get it. I mean, the guy was out of control, but he just heard those statements. Can you imagine being the father? I mean, thank God. You know, if you're a father, you're not able to protect your daughters from that, and you're hearing about that. I mean, how can you not be enraged? And the guy is sitting right there. He's not dead. He's right there. You can't blame the guy. It's a great piece of video if you ever get to see it. It's fantastic. They just tackle him right away. But it's, And then you see Larry Nassar just go out, you know, cowarding out, which, again, I still say would be better if he'd be like, fuck you. I mean, seriously, right? I think they just tacked on another 40 years of his 175-year sentence. It's like, what do you got to lose at this point? You might as well just yell out, shut up. I mean, it's almost, I'm almost feeling sorry for the guy at this point. I mean, that shouldn't be the case because I don't care about this guy. I care about everybody else who, all the things we're finding out about Michigan State and the stupid Olympic Committee that's so fucking corrupt and they keep telling everybody there's this doctor who's molesting kids and nobody listens. So what the hell do I care about this guy? I think the people should be writing to the people at Michigan State. They're just talking to this guy. I mean, yeah, he's a douchebag, but he's sick and he's got a problem. Why don't you do it all again when these people should be in jail? Not just resign. They should all be in jail. You're blaming this one idiot who can't control himself? If you're doing this to like 100 girls or more than that, 200 girls, you obviously got a fucking problem. You can't stop yourself. You got a problem. He's insane. I mean, he should almost be commended because he didn't kill anybody being that insane. So why do you got to torture him? Anyway? He's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. He's probably going to get killed in jail or he's going to commit suicide. I mean, the guy, it, it, you know, let's place the blame where it actually should be. The people that did nothing. I mean, have you seen the accused? They prosecuted the people that watched that didn't help her. Let's do this. Let's prosecute the people in Michigan State who completely knew. Let's prosecute the people from the Olympic Committee who completely knew and said there's too much money involved. We can't help you. They, it, it's not fair to this guy. I don't know who his attorney is, but he must, well, it clearly sucks. I mean, you don't get 175 years in prison if you're a good attorney, I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's not, he, obviously he didn't have the money to have OJ's attorneys. This girl, Simone Beals, you know, one of the other Olympic girls, the black girl, she's like, I don't know... <laughs> All right, I was going to do the black accent, but I, I didn't mean to. She doesn't talk like that at all. Sorry. Um, but she's like, she, I, I think he should have gotten 3,000 years. I know what she's saying, but that, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, what's the difference between 175 years and 3,000? You ain't going to live to see it. It's done. But, that's, but he's not the problem at this point. So why are you letting these girls still talk? He's, I mean, yes, he's, he's a monster. It's lovely. But let's have the girls back again. Maybe it'll make them feel better if they can read their statements again. Yeah, let's do it all over again 
because I don't mind paying taxes for these girls to get their day in court. Uh, let's do it all again for these people in Michigan State who clearly knew. Let's do the investigation. Let's find out who knew. There's emails saying this guy's molesting somebody. Let's get these people that covered it up. Let's get them. Let's get the girls to read those exact same statements to those people because those people are worse. Thank you. Also, God, did you read about the uh, Poland and what a bag of shit they are? They're saying... You go if you talk about the Holocaust and their involvement and that they didn't do anything, uh, you go to jail if you're in Poland. Can you can you believe this? It, it's uh, they're 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 trying to just deny their lack of just giving up and letting Hitler do what he wanted. They're, they're trying to like, pretend it didn't exist. They're they're Holocaust deniers. Poland. So let me tell you something right now. If you think that everything's politically correct and you can't do anything, well, you know what? Polish jokes are back in. Polish jokes are back in. Fuck Poland. Fuck everything. Polish people are now and forever stupid. And I'm going to give in with the Polish jokes. We're going to go poll. We're going to go big poll. If you're going to come up and you're going to tell me that you're going to get arrested because you talk about the, uh, wait, you guys didn't do anything. They ain't going to get, uh, fuck you. Poland sucks. I can't even believe they're doing that. I mean, neither can, you know, the, the Israel's just like, wait, you're really going to sign this bill? They even tried to like stop it. Like, yeah, no, no, we're going to do it. You know, the, the more time that goes on, more people are probably going to try and do this. It's real fucked up because you really do have to remember. You really do have to remember. You have to remember it's in your parents' lifetime, your parents' lifetime that that shit happens and, and, and things fade and go. And remember, there's still Holocaust survivors. Maybe, the, you know, they're in their late 90s and stuff like that. But, you know. It is true. I mean, certainly my mother and all the time and all the people that, you know, the Jews we know that, you know, make we make fun of it now. You know, Sarah and I, we make fun of, you know, our parents just being like, never forget, never forget. But they're right because the first time you forget, it's going to happen again. And it's certainly, you know, a good climate for it to happen again. Uh, but that all being said, Poland sucks. And so does their water. You know, Poland Spring. I'm assuming that's from there. Wait a minute, am I Polish? Because that was the stupidest thing anyone's ever said. Hey-o! And that's why from now on, and I, you know what? I needed to get that clip from Arthur where she, go, where she goes, Dad, do you know why girls marry so bad? He goes, is this a joke? Are these Polish girls? We got to remember that bit because uh, I'll just tell you this. That's the name of that tune. <laughs> hey So uh, what do you think? This again? I don't know what today's uh, podcast was. We just talked. We went for it. We just uh, said a lot of stuff that was on our mind. We had a couple of things. I don't know if it's the best podcast ever, but it's a podcast nonetheless because I didn't want to leave you high and dry because the ulterior, the alternative move was not doing a show. And I hate missing a week because I enjoy your company when we're together. So next week, uh, I might be alone so I can explain what happened in the Super Bowl. Otherwise, I do have a series of guests I have planned coming up. And, uh, you know, then we'll get into the rest of the year and really plan some fun stuff. I promise. I promise, everybody. Let me just get out of this uh, football season. It's already over. You know, when you're hearing this, it's already over. I've already uh, won or lost. 
But in the all-end, uh, I'm a loser anyway, so it doesn't matter. But uh, that, that's not the important thing. Let's lay a, uh, end on a high note. Okay, good fellas coming up. It's going to be super fun and uh, shaping up to be fun and nice. And it's going to be it's going to be a good summer. It's going to be a good summer. That's a lot of money for a kid like you. Anybody ask where you got it from? You tell me you're playing craps in Vegas. But uh, all that being said, thanks, folks, for uh, joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show a little bit. And I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl and everybody had a good time. I, uh, I'm hoping right now I didn't get too drunk. I usually don't because I can't concentrate, but that's the point. Of blah, 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 blah. Let's call it a day. And everybody, I want to have a terrific week. And we'll see you next time on The Nightfly with me, Dave Jeskow. I will you